Yo, 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 what's good? It's your boy Roy, and it's another Sync Gems episode. Today we have Michael Moss. This dude has a crazy story. All I'm gonna say is that this guy, this guy's first royalty check was $4 or four euros. And then one of the checks after was a five figure check. And I'm just gonna let it sink for a moment, but anyhow, he tells the full story about it and super cool. The way this guy progressed, the way this guy moves, uh, the success that he's created for himself. He has multiple companies that he's running. He talks about delegating. He talks about finances. He talks about trailer music and production music in general. And this guy is up to so much. So I'm just gonna let this roll. He is also going to give you a very generous 30% discount to his course for the listeners of this podcast, which I'm super stoked about because I'm going to take this course. Anyhow, if you want to help this podcast out, leave it a five-star rating, leave it a review with a few ways that this show has helped you. And yeah, that will be awesome. That will really help it get to more ears. And it will also help me to see that people are getting value from it. So without further ado, Michael Moss. Oh, you got some secrets. Doc, no. Lighty, lighty secrets. The clap. <clears throat> Michael Moss. Is it, am I saying it Moss? It, it, yeah. Because like in, in Germany, some, sometimes things are pronounced no, that's, weird. You're actually the, the first person who says uh, the right way. It's Mars. And most people name me Mass or Mass or something, mm. you know? And most people even yeah. write me M-A-S-S, especially the U.S. ones. So I'm not Mass, but I'm Mars. That's, that's right, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're not a mess, that's for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, like, my, my last name, sometimes people say it's the opposite. I suffer from the opposite thing where people, it's mats and people say mats. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I don't know what's, what's what's the deal with that, but we'll have to yeah. to figure it out. Um, it, it, it really anyhow. depends. Oh, yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> we can get into this loophole. Yeah. Let's do a, a whole podcast about this. But, um, I'm thinking, man, like I've, I've been seeing, I've been following your success. I've been asking you a bunch of questions. I've been bothering you pretty constantly um, because you're kind of in that next level for me. And I, I love watching how you move and the things you get licensed and the companies you work with. Um, why don't you just like let it all out? Tell me your story from the beginning, take it back, back and... Uh, and take it up to this point where you are getting constant success in your field and kill, are killing it. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, it's a crazy story, actually. Um, you know, I always did music. I started with classical piano music. I had a private classical piano teacher at home when I was six till 16. And I did mostly classical piano music and so maybe after five to when I was like 13 or something, I start to write my very own first tracks. You know, I started to compose kind of like, and I never had a plan for that. It just 
came naturally. So I started to compose piano tracks when I was 13, you know. Um, crazy story. I stopped then doing classical piano music because everyone wanted me to study classical arrangement on a, you know, uh, I don't, on a university here in, in Saarbrücken called Musikhochschule Saarbrücken. I'm coming from the smallest zip area in Germany on the southwest near to the French border. So there's not much going on, but here's a, a university for music, at least, you know. And then that's even maybe a more crazy story. I was signed uh, when I was 16 to a boy group here in Germany as a singer. So I come from pop music, you know. They did a random casting on a schools out festival said, hey, do you want to join maybe a pretty new boy group and maybe you can dance and sing. So that really happened. You know, they chose me out of maybe a few thousand people. Then I was on tour from 16 to 19 at my very first uh, video shoot in Los Angeles, actually with 16. We did uh, a music video. That was a thing back in, you know, let me count in. 25 years ago, you know, almost 24 years ago when I was 16, you know, oh, math and musicians, it's where we had, I'm 40, I was 16, 62, 63, yeah, 24 years, yeah, actually, right, we can count to four and that's it, you know, just joking. Um, yeah, then I was on tour with a boy band uh, till I was 19. Uh, as it happens all the time, the, the group broke up, you know, we didn't want to work anymore together at the time. So, but I always did music and composed in my very small studio on Cubase, you know, even at that time. At maybe Cubase, I don't know, six or something or five. And my very first PC was an AMD 0.8 gigahertz, something, two gigabytes of RAM, you know, that was max. I had a sound card from Creative Sound Blaster, you know, something. I think it's still available these days, like a, not a professional one, I would call it. It's more like a you know, semi-professional. And started to do instrumentals. Um, was transitioning then, when I was 20, to German pop music. So I wrote German pop music, but I realized very fast that I'm not the best singer in the world. I mean, I can sing. I can fit a pretty good in tune on a session, you know. And then there was a time when I didn't have any fun anymore with music. So I stopped making music. I really, really stopped making music. I didn't vote any tune from 25 to 30. So till 10 years ago, I didn't vote anything. I didn't play piano. I didn't play guitar. It was everything in another room, you know. And I, I cannot explain why, but I, I was so frustrated by that pop area and nothing happened. Nothing really came to success. You know, I didn't make any money out of that at all. I never had a plan to do money out of that, by the way. But I was kind of like frustrated. I said, okay, now you have to learn a serious job like Germans do, you know. So when I was beginning 20s, I learned a job uh, called train conductor. So I was getting a train conductor. You know, I learned a job for three years. I worked for the German rail company Deutsche Bahn and worked there till 2019, not that far ago, but let's, let's go back to that time. 
Okay. When I was 30, 10 years ago, I had something like a creative outblast. Um, my dog died uh, and he was to me like a, a small kid. You know, it was an Australian Shepherd, um, Irish Wolfdog mix, a very big one. And he died. He was old, so natural, but I was totally, you know, I was smashed. And I had one room in my apartment back in those days. And it was just an apartment to put uh, a room to put things in, simply, you know, what you don't need. So I said at that time, okay, I'm going to take all the mess out of that room and build my studio 10 years ago. So literally, I was starting by zero again 10 years ago with music because I didn't do music for five years. So I had to practice again. So what I did, I painted that room, took all the mess out, and started to produce again classical piano music. Okay, That was maybe the start of my production trailer music career. When, 10 years ago, when I was 30 in that X messy room, etc. Uh, composed uh, solo piano tracks, more cinematic, not really classical. Put it up on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Um, people were pretty fast excited about that at that time, and I didn't have any plan what to do. I just wanted to do music again. Okay, so I composed piano music, and um, I still remember that day. I had feeling that I have to fill that kind of piano music with orchestra. And I didn't have any orchestral lip, you know, VST plugin or something. And I found on eBay, someone sold EWQ uh, professional orchestra. It's called Symphonic Orchestra Gold. So I bought it there pretty, pretty cheap. And that was my very first orchestral library back in those days. So I started to do piano orchestral music. Still was in my main shop, by the way, as a train conductor. Okay. Started to do piano uh, orchestral music, uploaded it uh, on YouTube. And that was the epic start of my kind of epic music because a channel reached out to me back in those days called Trailer Music World, I think. Trailer Music One, Kevin Mante. I don't know if you still remember. That channel, I, I don't know if it's still existing, but I think so. And they said, hey, we like your music. It sounds like trailer music. And I said, what, what's trailer music? Never heard about that. You know, 2013 it was. And I said, oh, yeah. So they said, hey, can we up upload it on our channel and, you know, make some marketing? I said, yeah, let's do that. And um, I think a break through at the beginning of my career was as I did a track called Morpheus and a Dream with Felicia Ferreira, which we are singing right now on a Two Steps from Hell album, on, on the last one from Two Steps from Hell. And she reached out to me on SoundCloud, said, hey, would you like to do a track with me together? So very important that I had music on SoundCloud on YouTube because people found me on those social media platforms, you know. So after Morpheus and a Dream, um, Someone reached out to me. I cannot remember anymore the name. It was a German guy, but he had something like an epic music blog. And he said, hey, I would like to write a blog about a track, how you did it, etc., etc." And so that track went pretty, pretty famous anyhow in the epic community. It wasn't really trailer-ish. You know, if you listen to the 
Trello music I did back in those days, 2013, it was very, it was epic, but it was not really, really good. You know, it was very badly done, I would say, from the programming, etc. Nothing was in time and all those beginner mistakes. Okay, next step. Um, then my very first trailer library I started to work with was Dos Brains called. I think they started at that time and were looking for beginner trailer music composer. So it was fitting. I was a beginning trailer music composer. There were a beginning trailer library and I did some tracks for them. And then slowly other trailer libraries um, came back to me and said, hey, you work for that library. We would like to work with you as well. You know, it was going going on then with really slow motion and really slow motion was the next step on that ladder i like to say because they said to me hey would you like to do some trailer sound design tracks i said what's trailer sound design again okay so i started by zero never did that and did for their very first sound design release eject one it's called eject one something like a fighter on the cover uh, like a jet and uh, did three tracks for them. And still today, some of those tracks are running in television. No joke, we were watching Germany's next. It's called Deutschland sucht den Superstar. Germany is looking for the next superstar. It was running in that show. We were watching it and said, okay, wow. that's 10 years ago. That's crazy. It's a track that's called Blood. So Blut on German, Blood on English. If you want to listen to that, just... Just check it on, on any side. You, you may be going to find it. So I wrote those tracks for really slow motion. And they were placed directly. So my very first placement was Spider-Man. And I still remember that moment I was sitting on the couch with my back in those days girlfriend, now wife, you know. And Argus Gonzalez Lancharo wrote me, hey, you got a confirmation for your track um, Destroyer in the movie campaign for Spider-Man. I said, what the fuck is going on? You know, I was like, I still remember I was like on, on trucks. Or something. I was like, okay, totally excited. And my heart was pumping. And I was like, okay. I did feeling, okay, there's something going on right now. What's, what's going on? You're getting really extreme success and you get paid for that kind of stuff. And I never expected that. Typically, John, I was like, okay, it's fun. You know, what I have to mention is, it was always just fun to me to do that. I never had uh, a thought about money or career or something. I was so addicted, again, after the break of five years to do music. So I never thought about anything like a career or music or working with other people. I just wanted to do music again. Okay. I had my serious job. I made good money in the job. I said, okay, let's do some music on the side. So by coincidence, I was slipping into trailer music by the way a good friend of mine we were in a car together and he said hey you know that cd here above the cd of two steps from hell and i didn't knew that 2013 i said hey listen to them i said i think maybe that was a huge influence to me back in those days as everyone was showing me hey your music sounds like trailer music hey there's a group called you know it was the very first album of two steps from hell by the way um, there's even someone out in the industry who is very successful in trailer music, Two Steps from Hell, etc. Yeah, so first placements with really slow motion. So 
I was hot for that. I said, I need more placements. It's such a huge feeling. And you are starting now to, to gaining success in Hollywood. And I have to constantly hit that level and get some more placements. You know, if you get a placement, you won't have more. It's natural, you know. So um, actually, one year later, I took one year till I was getting my second placement in a trailer campaign. And it was um, Chappie. I don't know if you remember that, that movie. It was like a robot which came to life. And so Chappie, C-H-A-P-P-A-I, Chappie. And it was my second trailer placement. So I was, you know, that addicted feeling to that was getting more and more. And I said, okay, I need more placements. It's, you know, you get paid mm -hmm. good. So I would say that was my breakthrough in the trailer industry 2014. So actually one year after I restarted 2013, it didn't took that long. Um, in between, I started to do royalty-free music with Sound Taxi. That was one of my start in the industry. And, uh, but slowly realized then that royalty-free isn't really um, a niche um, to make a living from, you know, back in those days. So I started to do trailer music and production TV music. So another coincidence was then um, that a friend of mine worked for a TV library, production music library, so called in Germany, E-Emotion. And they said, hey, would you like to do some TV music for us? And it was like you wrote for their music and it was directly a day after in a show because it was always custom requests. Okay. Wow. So I did that. It was some kind of ethnic Middle Eastern orchestra thing, you know. It was a show about kids who went to another place to get better in their life. It was like problematic kids, you know, in hot places and... They had to get uh, better in their life simply by, you know, don't doing bad things anymore, you know. So I did it and joined then BMI, my very first PRO, by the way. And uh, yeah, I was getting then maybe half a year, one year later, my very first BMI check. I still have it. And it was four US dollar. And I said, okay, I think television royalties and TV music isn't worth it, you know, mm. at all. Back in those days. And yeah. Um, but I did more. I did more TV production music, more and more every day, and trailer music. So I worked like, like an addicted, crazy guy, always before my shift as a train conductor and after my shift as a train conductor back in those days. And the next point... On that letter was when I was with my wife in Paris and we received the very first check of my new PRO called GEMA and it was five figures. I said, whoa, whoa what, what the hell is going on? That's TV reality. It wasn't sync. It wasn't any trailer. Wow. You know, and we were in Paris, had some vacation together and we did straight party after that. Went out to Paris, you know, Champs-Élysées and went for good food and drinks and said, okay, Maybe that's a serious job for your future, but I was still skeptical. I thought it's maybe a one-time happening back in those days. But because I was constantly working in that field, I composed constantly TV tracks, production music tracks, and trailer tracks. Um, 
those checks were getting more and more. And uh, 2017, 18, uh, I think back in those days, it was getting then six figures in TV royalties only a year. And I said, okay, typically, Sherman, maybe, <laughs> listen now, that I mean, it's crazy. Maybe I go now half time in my main job. <laughs> that's, that's shown, you know. I made much, much more money in TV royalties than with my train conductor job. You know, I make maybe, I don't know, 40K a year with my full-time train conductor job. And I thought, maybe I go half-time in a job. Went then half a year, half-time. No, one year I was half-time in a job. And then talked to my wife, say, hey, it doesn't make sense anymore. I make much, much more money with music than with my main job. So I left it totally. So since 2019, I just really work full-time since four years now in that field. And that's where my whole output is coming now from since 2019. Back in those days, I worked before my shift, after my shift, you know, in the morning, in the evening, I did music on the side. But it was getting very successful. Um, 2000, I always had a little bit of luck. That's very important. You always have to have that portion of luck in your career, you know. Um, 2016, I think I started to work for a brand new trailer library called Evolving Sound. And maybe three years after I did some, some stuff for them, I was getting placements like crazy with them. You know, I was getting every month for placement, you know, like a sound design here, sound design there, trailer music here, trailer music there. So I had kind of like 20 trailer placements a year like in really big Hollywood movie campaigns and big movie trailers, not only TV spots, you know. So since then, the success is kind of like constantly going on. Um, I mostly did then my very own um, trailer music albums. I have to mention that. I didn't do single tracks. I started to develop my own ideas on trailer music albums, trailer concepts. And didn't always since 2017 full albums solely by myself. So no other composers. So maybe that was a reason I was getting synced so much because if they picked a track for my album, I was getting to sync, no one else, you know, because it, it's, it was just me on the album. But it was a progress of getting better, composing different tracks. When you're composing an album, it's very hard to do different tracks. So not everything sounds the same. But I developed some skills with the years to achieve that. You know, it, it's not that complicated if you know how to do that. So, almost now in the now time, um, I was getting a lot of trailer placements, still get them today, but I'm not anymore so hot for them. I'm, I'm really honest. You know, it's good to have them. I love them still, but I was getting a little bit tired of trailer music because it's always that smash, boom, bang. And, you know, if you do that constantly 10 years, you're getting a little bit tired of that. So another coincidence happened. I met a professional crazy guy in the pop music industry, a professional mixer, arranger, and, you know, crazy guy simply called Ken Lewis. And he, we were like clicking together and he said, hey, I like your epic style. Would you like to do with me some kind of epic pop project? So we founded then last year or two years ago, I think, an epic pop group called Obscene Steelers. And now we are producing together epic pop 
and working with pop artists and transitioning that to, you know, uh, lyrics and singers. And uh, so kind of like uh, fusing pop music into epic trailer-ish things. And that's something I'm very excited about because I love to work with singers, you know, every gender. And um, yeah, it's such like, you know, I was getting this night a request, hey, would you like to do a cover song with that artist, with that singer, uh, in a trailer music-ish world, etc. So right now we are working on very exciting things with Obscene Stealers and myself as a producer. Uh, solo and with some other guys I take with into the boat so kind of like I'm doing right now still the same I'm doing production music for TV constantly yesterday I did some kind of epic Tron sci-fi orchestral arrangement for TV briefing um, I still do trailer music and concepts but my main focus at the moment is the transition to epic pop and a little bit more to the pop world it's different to the trailer world and production music world by the way but I'm going to make a small break right now for you because I need some air and something to drink. And I just have to sneeze for a second. I'm really sorry. I just have to flu yeah, for do it, do it. two weeks. But it's all good. <laughs> ah. Somebody sample that. Make a trailer track <laughs> out of that. It's the new pram. Yeah. So. And... Yeah, don't give don't give uh, Michael any royalties because he doesn't get excited of that. So if if uh, Michael, you hear your sneeze in a, an epic trailer track, just uh, just know you said that you're not excited. Somebody made a track out of it, and um, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, um, you can do whatever you want. Nah, I'm just kidding. All right, like, poof, man, so much to dig into in in the story. Um, was short a short version of that, you know. So yeah, but ten yeah, minutes. yeah, and and I mean, like, I can only imagine how cool the longer version is. One thing I can see that comes back uh, is your willingness to say yes to things, um, and that's something I I love. I'm I'm a bit more. I'm a bit uh, different. I'm a bit of more of a rebel. Um, so I'm interested in that. And were you always like that? Was it something that you had to develop? Like what's, what was, where did that come from? I mean, everything was a crazy amount of work. You know, I have to mention that right now. People just see the top of the iceberg and how that went maybe right now in 10 years. But uh, imagine that sheer amount of work in those 10 years, how much work it was you know i don't realize that really still not these days i'm saying yes uh i say basically to things i really love you know so i said many many times also simply no and i think that's some something artists producers and composers have to learn so mm -hmm. you don't say yes to things you don't like or you don't love you know like music genres or briefs um, sometimes it can be challenging to start new, new, you know, adventures like I did back in those days, sound or sign. But as I started that, I found out I loved that simply. It, it made me fun. And I'm so happy I found that music show or trailer sound design because those days it's my main trailer show. I'm totally focused on trailer drums and sound design. 
And I, I do barely orchestral, fully orchestral things. Sometimes I do that, but most of my things are coming from trailer drums and sound design tracks. And because I love that and I did it now constantly, since 10 years, I'm getting so fast in that stuff. So I need maybe a few hours to deliver a really, really great trailer sound design track. Maybe a few days. But one of the reasons I was getting so successful was also the amount of work and how many tracks I was getting out there. You know? Yes. It's, it's yes. The, the, the nature of trailer sound design tracks compared to orchestral tracks is it takes much less time than programming a full orchestra. So logical-wise, I was getting much, much more work out there. So my philosophy is saying yes to things you really love, but definitely for one example, Universal came to me and said, hey, would you like to do some, now in January, would you like to do some um, Christmas trailer covers? I said, no, I totally hate it. I'm really sorry. I hate Christmas trailer tracks and renditions of that. So I said, no, but I said, no, but I'm open to do any other work. So I didn't close the door to them. I said, hey, I really don't like the job, but hey, I can do any other genre trailer-ish, like let's say trailer sound design, funny things and, you know, hybrid orchestra. So if you got something from me, I'm happy if you come back to me in the future. So I think that's also important to to mention that you, even if you say no, you stay positive in a conversation and say, hey, but I can offer something else, you know, mm. saying no. Or I, I can, or I can give you, I, I can, I can contact you with somebody who would love to do it. For example, that that's the most best answer you could give to someone. And actually I did that. Uh, another library came back to me and said, hey, would you like to do some funny percussion stuff? And I'm not a funny trailer-ish guy. My music always sounds sad or epic, you know, bold, but it's not sounding funny. And I had a friend... That's sad. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm a funny guy sometimes, but I don't like funny music or Christmas music. That, yeah, that's yeah, the second yeah, yeah. one. I hear you. Now you got me. I hear you. Um, so I was giving that to a friend of mine and said, hey, let's do that maybe together. You do those funny aspects and I do the trailerization of that. And that went pretty well. It went on a BMG must-have chain label recently yeah. so beautiful i i gotta there was something else that um that came because like we are we're we're moving through things i feel like and um you were i want to address something else you were saying that you started getting five figures now five figures these days is a bit it's a bit i mean times are different i'm just saying uh i'm just saying it uh like that for for the sake of of reality, which is there are more more composers in the world of production music today. There's, uh, let's say, checks for trailers are different. Checks for upfront are different. A lot. There's a lot of saturation happening. Um, do you feel what's the main difference that you feel uh, between 2014 and now? Um, the difference is not so much in the business area. It's more on the hardware and sample area. Back in those days, 2013, I worked with a very old version of Contact, very cheap samples, you know, and EWQL, which is a symphonic orchestra, which is, by the way, still good those days, 
but the sample techniques and the sample libraries were getting much, much better these days than back in 2013. That's worlds apart, you know? That's a total different world. You cannot compare the samples 2013 to today because orchestral-wise and other things uh, like plugins, uh, I think are getting a little bit cheaper, you know, if you compare that to 2013 and these days, but also much, much more realistic and better than today. A second aspect of that is not only the, the sample libraries, but also the hardware. Remember, I started with a 0.8 gigahertz AMD CPU, CPU, you know, and it was expensive those. It was like maybe 2000 euro or something. It wasn't wow. cheap, you know, and if you see right now what kind of hardware we have, I got in my studio an Intel CPU 18 core with 128 gigabytes of RAM. And you maybe pay these days maybe two and a half K for that on a PC side, you know. And uh, I constantly upgraded my PCs. And the amount of CPUs was getting, I think, uh, doubled every few years, you know. Now it's stagnated a little bit on 18 cores on the CPU side on Intel, but the price was almost the same like three years ago. So for the same price, you were getting the double amount of CPU power and RAM, you know, and SSDs. We, we started to work on HDDs, you know, very slow HDDs, you know, physical, you know, circling, you know, hard drives. And uh, I just checked it right now, eight, eight gigabytes of, you know, eight terabyte of, an SSD from Samsung costs now 450 euro. And one year ago, it was 800 euro, 850 euro. I bought a few months ago an SSD in eight terabytes of RAM. It was like 670 euro or something. So wow. the hardware and the price of the hardware, the sample libraries, I mean, the hardware is getting cheaper. So you can achieve with less money much, much more back in, uh, than back in those days in 2013. You know, I had to stem out constantly things on my old PC because the CPU power wasn't enough. These days, I got uh, my, my travel rig is a MacBook M1 Pro, 32 gigabytes of RAM, and it's much more powerful than my Intel PC here. So my travel rig for 3.5K, I think, is almost double the amount of CPU power I got here in my in my PC. I mean, comparing PC to Mac doesn't work really in the same way. You know, it's, it's two different devices. It's PCs, but, you know, still different devices. Uh, my feeling is that mobile wigs like a MacBook Pro M1, MacBook Pro M2, maybe the, the Mac Studio, gonna be the future till something new is coming from the PC Intel side, you know? So I can do everything on a travel yeah. rig. I can do my uh -huh. studio right now, you know? Which Got is you. But uh, so, 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 but let me rephrase that. Do you see, do, do, uh, um, so do you think that's the reason why royalties have changed oh, uh, uh, significantly? Yeah. That, that's another topic. Uh, from the business side, so this was now the, the technique and the hardware side. Yeah, yeah, from yeah, the business yeah, yeah. side, I don't, I cannot agree to what you said, 
before, you know, mm -hmm. that it's oversaturated and too many composers. And my feeling is as long as you do great music, there's always a place for great music on the market. Um, the market is constantly developing and changing. That's, that's why, you know, we got streaming, you know, we got more young composers. Uh, it's easier for them right now to compose that kind of music because the hardware is cheaper. The sample libraries are easier to have, you know, so they can develop their skills much faster, probably. And not to mention you got right now on YouTube live tutorials for everything that wasn't available 2013, maybe just the start of that, you know. But in terms of royalties um, and things, everyone is saying something different, you know. All the time. Some people are saying, hey, the prices are going up, the prices are going down, you know, royalties are getting less, royalties are getting more. I can see um, where royalties are getting less at the moment, for sure. Streaming royalties are just pennies. You know, that's, that's nothing you can rely on as a professional composer on streaming royalties. I can compare that really good. I got some shows I work for. I cannot mention the name, by the way, it's secret. But I got some shows I work for, and they're running on television, and they're running on streaming. So you can compare those running minutes pretty, pretty good. And when I get a few K from TV, I get maybe a hundred US dollar from streaming. So that's totally nonsense. But um, oversaturating too many composers, you know, just see, we have so many TV shows out in the world in every different country. How many countries in the world we got? So many. How many shows are there in that country? millions of shows alone in Germany. Just see that market in the US, what's going on there. There are so many networks, so many national stations, you know, like state stations, TV stations, which needs money over the US and Canada and the whole continent America, you know. So the reason why they are production music composers is simply they are not enough composers out there which can score custom-wise to picture. There are not existing enough composers from there, you know. So the market for production music composer is actually growing. And that's mm. what's showing also the numbers in terms of royalties. Just see how many um, production music royalties the market is gaining. It's getting more and more. So my feeling is the opposite of that. The market is getting bigger. The need of composers uh, doing that is getting bigger. And as long as you do great music and you try to stay out of the mess a little bit, so try to sound unique, always gives you butter on your bread, I like to say. You know, so I don't feel at all that this is happening at all. That market is still growing. More and more shows are coming out for streaming. But on the same part, uh, more and more shows are coming out for TV stations, etc. And we are not there yet that streaming is taking everything over. There's still television. And I think it's it always going to be. There's always going to be TV and streaming both living together. You know, So I think it's, it's a bright market for us, for production music TV composers and trailer music composers. Trailer sings. Um, the sync fees are getting not less. It really depends. It really depends who is asking 
the trailer mm-hmm. house, you know, house your name, you know. Uh, I see it right now in the pop area. I mean, there's so much money for sinks in the pop area, and you get paid much, much higher sink if you are a pop artist or maybe producing pop sync trailer music, but on the pop side, you know. We have to see that from another side. If you are producing with pop artists, trailer music, pop sync music, you're getting paid much, much more than in the trailer music world because it's a pop artist. So there's a lot of money in that area still available. So I don't think things are getting less. I think that's, that's I, I can't see that in my numbers at least, you know. I'm, I'm pretty good in doing books for my own business. I see that every day. I get every number like updated, you know, how much royalties are coming in, how much things are coming in, you know, and I'm tracking that constantly. And I think it's, it's worth to mention that, uh, you know, statistics and numbers are not lying. It's, it's a total truth, you know, and uh, I'm not really good at math, but it's a good to, to track all those numbers, by the way, and the business. And when my business is still growing, since since 10 years ongoing so there's no stagnation going on i mean that that growth line is getting less with the years that's that's the truth but at least when it's your business is growing and you're making more and more money and you're getting more placements more tv royalties etc etc i don't think there's a point yet coming where we have saturation because otherwise, maybe I would see in my personal numbers, okay, there's something going down because we have so much more composers out there, you know. So, I mean, talk now uh, a lot about that. But uh, to sum it up, I don't think there's a saturation of composers and music out there. And royalties um, are still getting paid, even if they are streaming. So this market is so huge, you know. To, to, to gain a stagnation or a saturation in that, that would be a sad point. But I cannot see that yet on the market, even not with AI things going on there. Yeah, that's, a, that's an emerging topic, a topic as well. It's super interesting to me. Um, what's a mistake you see a lot of composers doing these days that you think they can avoid or that you've made? that you would suggest people to get away from? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so many. Uh, where to start? <laughs> um, communication with publishing companies is very important. So one of my recommendations is if you send out an application email to a publisher, keep it extremely short because those people, you know, I'm running my own publishing company, AudioTech, and I get submissions every day for that. And don't put a biography of yourself as an attachment into the email. No one really cares about your biography. You know, the only thing people care is your music. And if you are a good person to work with, easy to work with. So you have to be a person easy to work with and create good music. Most important, um, keep your email very short. Um, put in a streaming link with your three best tracks. Most best downloadable as well, that streaming link, you know, like Dropbox or WeTransfer, you can stream and download or maybe Disco or something like that. 
And um, yeah, because the mistake most people do is they got like, I don't know, like letters of emails you have to check. And so my even attaching wave files into the email, I think that's a totally no-go. You know, no one has place for wave files for, for demos on your on your device, you know. And it looks a little bit unprofessional. So don't put attachments on your email in terms of music. You know, I wouldn't attach MP3. I wouldn't attach especially wave. Uh, I would put my music three best tracks in a streaming link into your email. Keep the email very short. So communication with publishing companies, first of all. Uh, a second mistake people are doing is if you start a job, finish the job. So if you are maybe working with a publisher, and you don't like the job anymore. Some people simply stop it in between. So your publishing company was working with you on something, was investing time in you, you know, and those people have very sparse time because they're working with 20, 50 people at the same time and business side things, and, you know, and accountant and I don't know, marketing, etc. So you really have to appreciate their time because they have much, much less time than a single composer, I would say, when I compare that to my composing business and my publishing business. So, yeah, communication with publishing companies. Um, marketing. Um, the sad story is that your music isn't doing everything. So even if you are the most best composer, you got great music out there. Um, the other part of your rent is your marketing, how you do marketing. So you have to get things out. You have to get things on SoundCloud. You have to get things, music on YouTube. You have to maybe post some success on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. It's so easy to do that those days, but there are still people out there saying, hey, I don't like social media. You know, I mean, we, we, we can all agree that we sometimes don't like social media, but it's such a powerful tool in terms of marketing. So if you don't market yourself out to the people which are important in that industry or people cannot find you on YouTube or SoundCloud or Instagram or TikTok and Twitter, etc., you are sadly not existing out there. So I was found by some music supervisors on YouTube. They found my music on Epic channels there. So they hired me from there. One of the reasons um, I was getting so successful as well was I was posting my placements on Facebook. Libraries saw that, you know, on Facebook and hired me because they saw I was getting successful with placements. So, sad truth, but they not only want to work with you because you are a good person, the other reality is they want to do money with you. You know, it's, it's a money business. So, when they see you are successful, get it out to the industry, post it on social media so people are going to hire you, you know. Some people say that, oh, I don't like social media. I don't like to marketing myself. As a composer, you are a brand. You know, you're someone like Nike, Adidas, Mercedes, shitbox. You know, saying so. I totally love Mercedes. Don't say anything about Mercedes, you know. Um, but you have to treat yourself as a brand, simply. You are a composer with a name, and that name has to get out. Because there are so many people doing great music out there. You know, there are so many people doing much better music than I do out there. I discover them every day and I hear that. Uh, but the difference between them and myself is maybe I learned how to marketing myself a little bit out to the industry. I'm existing 
there simply in that field, even if I don't like social media all the time, you know. Um, what do people want was your question, yeah? And some recommendation. Um, it's good at the beginning of your career to maybe listen to other people which are successful in the industry to their music. But there has to be a point where you start to develop yourself. I had to get to that point by myself, okay? I said, okay, I don't gonna listen anymore what other people do right now. Um, I wanna be myself. I wanna get my own style. I wanna have my own sound. You know, I wanna be my own brand in terms of, of sound. You know, when someone hears a track and says, hey, that sounds like Michael Mars, that's then my, my aim I reached then. You know, that's, that's the final thing that happened then. So you can, and it's totally fine to listen and maybe copy some people out there at the beginning of your career to develop your skills. But there has to be a point where you get rid of that and do your own things to be able to develop your own skills, your own sound, your own, your own brand, simply to sound unique. Because that uniqueness is um, a guarantee for your su success in the future. If you copy-paste other people or copy the sound of them or want to sound like them, like Hans Zimmer, like Mark Petri or someone else, you're just a copy of them. You know? You're just a second choice. You have to get the first choice of your own sound. And that's something very hard to achieve. I'm constantly on that. You know, um, I'm, I'm still developing myself every day. I um, try to do new things. I try to get into new genres of music, try to get new sounds for my music. And so it's a constantly work thing, you know, constantly working on yourself. What people do mostly wrong is, They're looking for mentors out there, pay them money, and think, really, the mentors are doing their work. It's really like that. I, I realized that by myself, as I was teaching some people out there, you know, music industry and how to get better in trailer music, to work is something you have to do by yourself. You have to put so much work in yourself and your music to get better, and you have to be willing to do that. You have to be addicted to do that. If you feel it's work, actually, and I never had the feeling I do work as I was, you know, composing before my shift and after my shift back in those days. Um, if you feel that's work for you, it's maybe not the best job for you, that industry. You don't realize it's work and you want to constantly work on yourself as I do every day and every second when I'm in the studio. Uh, success is coming automatically to you because you're constantly working. It's maybe a karma thing. It's maybe a universe thing. You know, if you, if you punish something constantly, if you push a button constantly, you say, hey, I know if I work on myself every day, my whole life, whether it's music or something else, you are automatically getting better in that. For some people, it takes a longer time. For some people, it takes a shorter time, amount of time to get better. But if you're willing to put work into that, you are getting better and you're getting success. You know, I know some people which are doing manifestation things. I'm not so 100% into that, but I believe in that kind of things also. And if you believe in yourself and in your music and in your skills, no one is perfect, 
I didn't start at Perfect 2013 after my break. Okay. I had to work like a crazy addicted guy on those skills to get where I am right now. And it's even harder to stay on that line and getting better. It's like leveling up in video games. It's easy to level up from level one to level 10, maybe. But then if you played Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy or something like that in the past, it's so hard to get a level up if you're, you know, at level 15. You know, it takes you the double amount to get amount to get to level 16 than you were coming from level one to level 15, you know. So constantly work on yourself is a guarantee of success for myself. And that's what people don't see on social media and out there when you're posting something. Mm. 100%. I mean, your brand as a composer is your leverage in the end of the day. That's that's what I'm getting from this and that's what I'm I preach also. It's it's um interestingly enough, it's something that I'm I'm kind of uh I'm dabbling with as I'm mentoring people now. Uh, is the thing that, you know, people ask me, um, okay, how do I present myself? So, you know, like it's first of all, you have to create something that is desirable to work with. So uh, like to me, it was uh, it was a portfolio page with like the first thing is a reel of my music, like of uh, really short bits of my music. And then it's just like recommend recommendations of a bunch of companies that worked with me, all the brands I've worked with. And then boom, music. It's just like simple as that. And I love I love so many things. I actually think that, yeah, manifestation um, is just, it, it's been taken out of proportion in a lot of ways since the secret and all that kind of stuff. That being said, like visualization works now, like there's science to back it. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it depends on how people look at visualiz- at, at manifestation. And yeah, there, there are lots of kinds of manifestation as well, manifestations as well. Um, you know, there's, there's sheer belief, like you were speaking, like, you know, like, uh, uh, I am doing this now. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you know, it's that hunger, that, that, that flame in the eyes. It's not, yeah. it's, it's, it's not that woo-woo stuff that people think no. about when they're like, really? oh, I yeah. sat and meditated until it happened. No, it's just like, you know, it's, there's, there's work to back it up. And then it's, it, they, the, the thought and the action become one. Yeah. And that's when the real magic happens. And I feel like that's what kind of happened to you where you were like subconsciously bringing it to life and you were kind of like in the in the hero's journey in the place where he's like, no, but I'm the hero. I'm still working in the in the train station. It's so safe here. It's so nice here. But then like the hero's like, get the fuck out of here. Like we, we, we're making six figures. Get get the hell out of this job, you know? Like it's, it's uh, um, you know, and like the thing that that uh, is interesting to me is that you, you're starting to make that stripper money. Now, like, <laughs> like that strip club money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Five, six figure checks from, uh, um, from, from, um, from royalties, and it's. I mean, it's amazing, and one can be overwhelmed. It's like the lottery effect kind of thing, you know. When, when suddenly, like things start to land like really heavily. Um, how did you? How did you? Uh, um, uh, how did you gear that? Like, how did you take that into a place, into a practical place of understanding how you're structuring your future? Now you have a kid 
and a wife and more responsibility and yeah. you you you're working in on so many projects and you have a publishing company how do you delegate and how, what do you delegate and how do you uh, uh, spend your time routine wise i know it's a really wide question but just go for it yeah so money wise i'm investing you know i'm i'm updating my studio now since 10 years so i got almost everything in my studio i need so there's there's, there's maybe a few new Libraries I buy, investing money in that, but it's getting, you know, if you make a good amount of money, it's kind of like cheap. So you cannot write anything anymore off from taxes about libraries. It's it's not really that big amount of money, you know. So I'm reinvesting a lot of my money into other musical adventures. So for example, I started 2020 with my publishing company, AudioTech, AudioTech Music Publishing, with a few labels on top of that. Uh, let me explain how that came to that point. Um, I'm also head of music and music supervisor for another trailer production music library in LA called Head um, Two Red Shokers. Okay. So I work for them as well right now as a head of music and developing for them album ideas, looking for composers, music supervising, giving feedback on the tracks, etc. And I realized, hey, I can do that. You know, um, Someone was asking me to do that because I saw I got success. I didn't have uh, experience in that field as a music supervisor. But now I'm since three years a music supervisor, head of music for that library. So I said, hey, you can do that by yourself. So start investing money in your own publishing company and get other people out and do it by yourself. Okay. So one portion of that income I do a year is getting a big portion of that is is an investment into audio tech music publishing and getting production music out and trailer music out and epic singles. Those are sort of labels we have. So yeah, another thing uh, I started to invest in is an online course, by the way, called Sync Music Business. And I was always like, hey, I don't want to do an online course. There are so many online courses out there existing. But then there was one point I realized there's no online course existing, which is covering the production music business, trailer and production music world, you know, from start till end, you know, how do I start in a business? What some business things I have to know? So not only how to produce the music, it's the business side covered and uh, producing music covered and other things in there I'm going to mention later. So I started last year, October, that course, and I finished it just last week. So it took half a year to finish that course. It was just a very big amount of time to invest in. But this came because I was teaching now for three years Patreon people, like private people on my Patreon page. And I realized, okay, they are all the time the same questions people have. You know, they have the same issues, the same problems. It's always the same, and no one is telling them how to achieve that. So, I mean, there are a few courses out there for trailer music. Maybe there's one out there for production music, but there's no course really there which is covering the business side of production and trailer music, um, the production side of that, and everything after that. You know, So I, so I said, okay, that, that's really a niche, and you have to do that. So I started to do that and investing time and money actually in that. A lot of money in that course. You know, you need someone who is cutting it, the videos. You need someone who is getting the text from the video into English. 
By the way, that course is going to be in English, Spanish, and German. So that's going to be really the very first course in German and Spanish at all existing on the market about that field. English is done right now. We are doing at the moment in March German version of that. So I really have to re-record everything new in German. You know, it's not just only a subtext. It's re-recorded in German. And for the Spanish version, we get a subtext in German and the text is translated then into Spanish. So people got it in later. So that was one invest of mine. And as you can see, you cannot do that by yourself, everything, because I got a publishing company. I got sync music business. I'm a head of music for another library. I got composing business going on still. I'm a full-time composer. So it's a crazy amount of work. So sooner or later, you need a team behind you, which is doing tasks you can outsource. Audio tech. The only work I do at Audio tech is I sign the contracts. You know, I'm... I'm responsible for everything because I'm the CEO of AudioTech and I choose the people which are doing the music and I music supervise them. Everything else behind the music, like metadata, like um, all other kind of communication with sub-publishing companies, et cetera, et cetera, I got teammates in there which are working not full-time, but constantly working for me on a freelance basis. So I got a big uh, network of team which is constantly working for me with me and also it's the same team which is working for me as a composer so when i finish compose something they are doing for me the cutdowns they are doing for me the alt versions i send them my stems finished you know mixed so when you play back the stems it's the final result of the music you know um the final product so called they are doing the things i can outsearch to someone else which is not creative Stemming, doing alt versions and 60, 30, 15 second cutdowns is not creative. Actually, I pay someone doing that because in that time I can do much, much more money with composing. So I got a really rough, hard time schedule every day. It's scheduled into minutes sometimes. You got a few minutes for this, a few minutes for that. So it's a lot of time management, okay, with a team behind. And this took some years because you need to have a team you can trust on and which is finishing the work. So part of that is sometimes also fire people because they don't finish the work. It's simply as it is. So I had to develop myself into a CEO, into a boss, you know. And that's a learning process. I'm still into that because if you're too friendly to people, they don't finish the work because you're a friend to them. So you have to be as equal as you are a composer, you know, a CEO and a boss. And that's other kind of skills you need to have. But that's something else. Um, yeah, I'm also investing a lot of time and money together with Ken Lewis on Obscene Steelers. You know, um, we both believe in a project. And actually, we were signed right now by Lyric House. That's a top-notch sync agency in Los Angeles, which is syncing pop artists. You know, check their rooster of pop artists. So thankfully, we were signed directly straight away by someone for Sync. Got a really good contract with them. And um, that's another time and money investment because time is also money. Time 100%. putting into obscene stealers, I cannot put into, you know, my own business. So it's also a little bit of, uh, um, maybe it's a risk. 
but it's a small whisk because we both are highly professional people. Ken Lewis mixed for Eminem, produced for, <laughs> produced for Eminem. He did work on a recent Taylor Swift album on three tracks. I mean, whereas here, whisk, you know, that, that's not really whiskey for me. Um, and because he is so successful and I'm successful in my epic world, he in the pop world, there's almost a guarantee that we both going to be successful with obscene stealers. So that's maybe the reason people signed us straight away from there. You know, um, I try to tend to forget to, to forget the question you were asking, but it was like uh, how to manage the time and how to invest back in that. Yeah. And how to invest that money into that. Yeah. But yes. One, sorry to interrupt you, but there's one very important point people have to know. Once you start making money, you have to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Not taxes, taxes, you know, tax. <laughs> you don't have to pay I pay taxes, taxes in Texas. You have to pay to tax, you have to pay tax to your government, you know. Some people forget that. Um, so when I'm making six figures, there's going a big amount of money to taxes. Okay, it's a higher five figure. So, so maybe after that, I don't have over anymore six figures. Maybe I have it. Who knows that? You know, I don't gonna reveal that here. But also, you have to pay health insurance. You have to pay. You know, like if you retire in Germany, we pay that by the amount you make per month. So I pay a big amount of tax and health insurance and retirement plan and all the other things per month. It's actually. So much, some people make in a full time job sometimes per year, I think. You know, so that's a responsibility you got because the German government wants you to pay that in advance. So if I made last year six figures, they say, hey, you made last year six figures, we're going to count you on that success. So you have to pay the same amount of tax in advance right now, every quarter. You know, so that leads to you have to stay successful, otherwise, you cannot pay any more the tax. I think Germany is the only country which says, hey, you paid last year 40K taxes. Now you pay that in advance every quarter. So I pay every quarter then 10K in advance to reach the US as well. taxes. Yes, as well. Yeah. In Bali. You are in Bali right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the, in the US as well, it's in like US that US actually, well. like uh, okay. when you're, when you're independent and yeah. you're making a certain amount, next, yeah. next year you need to make a, uh, an estimation, yeah. an yeah. estimated amount. Yeah. Um, so business. yeah, man, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like, dude, I, I, I'm going to take your course. Um, so, um, back to the, back to, back to the, the, the beef of it. When is the course coming out? What is it about? What's going on there? T tell me all about it. So the course is called sync music business. Um, the course is actually available already on syncmusicbusiness.com. Um, the course was made for people which are very beginning at the start, but maybe also at once in producing music for production and trailer music, but don't know yet everything about the business, you know? So we are talking about things like, let's say, where to start. Let's say you are a housewife in America and you can compose piano music, but don't know how to get your music out to the industry. That's a course for you. Maybe you are already a very successful production music composer, but you're not sure about, let's say, mechanicals or naked bearing rights or TV realities and PROs, etc. So that's a course for you. You know, that's everything covered. Let me just 
put up right now the the sync music business uh sync music business.com so i can tell you something in detail what this is about okay it's loading us thing. here we go so yeah we got some different modules for example module one is how and where to start know your rights about royalties what is sync what is royalties what is mechanical what is performance you know how to optimize your PROs. So there's a thing. Some people are a member of one PRO out there, like I'm with Gamer. But I'm not only with Gamer, I'm also with the BMI. And there's a special reason behind that. And that's revealed on the course. How to optimize your PRO memberships. Because actually, you can sign uh, PRO memberships to different territories. And that's very important. We are talking about social media. We are talking about the whole business side of being a composer as freelancing, owning a company, taxes, insurances, and all that kind of business covering thing. Okay, very important because if you if you uh, don't know how to do your business things in terms of music, sooner or later maybe you go bankrupt or something. You know, that's very important. How to get your music into the industry? Uh, learn how to get your music into the industry, how to pitch, you know, what's some kind of contracts, what's some contract terms, uh, what's uh, some typical contacts in the production and trailer music world, how to act with publishing companies, as I mentioned before. One very important thing I always see almost every day, how to write an invoice. Some people never wrote an invoice or know how to do it, that's covered in the Think Music Business course. That was module number two. Um, so like an introduction into that kind of field. Module number two is, uh, uh, module number one, module number two is the production of music, like golden rules in production music, like best practice, tempo, chords, track loudness. Uh, I do some some um, some tracks in the course, like how to compose a piano track, so you can see me how I do that, how to compose an underscore attention track, how to produce a rock production music track, why am I, am I doing those genres, because piano, underscore, and rock music are those three genres in TV which are running the best, simply. So it's very important. We cover some basics in trailer music, so how to compose um, trailer music, um, module number three is all about um, finalizing your music, mixing, mastering, and deliverables, delivering files. You know, so how to mix your tracks. So what's some basic things in terms of mixing? And I learned that from Ken Lewis, from the professional mixer. And I can tell you, it's not magic. It's pretty easy to get a basic understanding of mixing and how to get your tracks clean. How to master your tracks. Um, just one thing, I only use one plugin, nothing else anymore to master my track, and it takes me 30 seconds to do that. Then, very important, I see that every day as a publisher, how to deliver files to a publisher. You know? How to do full versions, alt versions, some typical terms like headroom. You know? Keep headroom. What's headroom? What's the master boss? You know, how to fix your headroom. So technical things in your DAW. 
and then the stemming process of how to get a get a flow of stemming out stems, getting full and alt versions done, and how to cut 60, 30, and 15 second version out of your main version. Very important because most people do that wrong. Um, I had one guy, he was cutting really six months on an album. So he composed tracks like in two months. He did a whole album for us and it took him two months. But he didn't finish the alt and cut on version because he didn't know how to do that. So I thought it really makes sense putting that into that course because it's so easy if you know how to do that. And it's not magic. I do that for you in 50 minutes. But people really fail in the delivering process and how to stem, how to do those cut downs. And uh, last but not least, module number four going to be um, interviews and insights from prominent people in the industry and things we constantly going to update in terms of what's happening right now in the music industry, you know, maybe streaming, uh, is it worth doing reality-free things, etc. So to sum it up, that course was meant to be something for a composer or a starting composer, maybe at once composer, to cover the whole spectrum of the You're sitting there, you are thinking about getting a production or trailer music composer, or maybe you're a pop artist, you want to get your music more into the sync industry, library music. How can I achieve that from business side, from composing side to delivering file? Delivering files, it's everything covered. So I hope that when you finish that course, you're totally able to do your own business production and delivery by yourself, you know? I hope that sums it up pretty much, you know, I'm pretty good. Definitely. And you got a little a little coupon. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. Okay. I think it's yeah. uh, Sick Gems 30. It's a, it's, it's a very generous discount. Um, so thank you for giving it. It's 30%, right? Yeah. Is it? Exactly, yeah. Um, well, we yeah, 30% for the listeners of this podcast. So go... Uh, get it while you can. It's until when? I think 15th of March. Uh, yeah. Like almost 14 days. Like till the okay. middle of the month. Till 15th of March. Okay. But we still could extend okay, well, it a little bit. So when yeah. when people are listening to that course and maybe that could pause extended, uh, drop me an email to info at michaelmusic.de. We still can extend it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, we will, we will uh, leave everything in the show notes, the email, the... Uh, the link and the the code, um, man. Uh, oof, I have so much more, so many more things to ask you, but I I I, I want to be respectful of your time and want to say thank you for coming on, Sync Gems, man. You're a legend. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I was listening back to your podcast a few times already in the past. Didn't say that yet to you, and I like it a lot. And it's very helpful to people. Uh, especially the starters. And I think it's important to talk about some topics in the industry so people can learn from that simply, you know, getting faster success. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yo, how good was that? You will have all the links in the show notes. Sync Gems 30 in checkout will get you 30% off Michael's course crazy it's amazing and you will thank me 
for taking this course because it's 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 gonna it's gonna help you out. Again, if y'all enjoyed this, go rate it, review it. This really helps me get into more ears and also get more amazing guests on the show. So, yeah. Thanks for listening and see you on the next Sync Gems episode. Peace.